If you listen to this podcast and follow what we do at Troutbitten, then you're a thoughtful angler, and you don't accept the status quo simply because that's how it's always been done. Squall of Fishing designs and creates fly fishing apparel with this same philosophy. Squalla was started by a group of lifelong fly anglers who spent their careers working for some of the biggest names in the outdoor industry, and they understood that essential fly fishing apparel like waders, jackets, sun gear, and insulation could simply be better. So now, Squalla makes gear for us, the like-minded few, serious anglers who don't take themselves too seriously. Check them out at squallafishing.com. Water is essential for life, but for Orvis, it's the blood of the brand. Orvis has been the leader in fly fishing since 1856. No other brand can match the explorative and innovative spirit they bring to the water today. Everything at Orvis is about inspiring and empowering adventure and wonder in nature. Rooted in the vitality of fly fishing, fueled by passion and curiosity for the outdoors, Orvis designs and develops products and experiences providing the knowledge and expertise to enable more meaningful moments and connections in nature. With over a century and a half of experience in the field and on the water, Orvis seeks to ignite that passion in others. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten? Yeah, Trout Bitten. Trout Bitten. It's about trout. Wild trout. This is Trout Bitten. This is the Trout Bitten Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Dominic Swantoski, the owner of Trout Bitten and the author of TroutBitten.com. So here we are at the finish line at part nine of this Trout Bitten series, the nine essential skills for tight line and euronymphing. And I trust that if you've made it this far, then you've learned a few things. This ninth skill is about putting it all together. I know that breaking down these skills and putting them in order has helped my own fishing, and I've seen my guided clients and friends respond too. Nine skills might seem like a lot. To some, it may seem like it's too few. But these really are the essential skills necessary for effective tight line and uranymphing. Not much good happens out there if you're missing even one of them. And all of the other techniques that follow, all the other ways we use a mono rig and a tight line system, have their roots anchored in these nine skills. I meet many good anglers on the water, and I'm privileged to guide so many excellent technical fly fishers. I learn by watching them every day, and I've spent much of the last few seasons discussing these nine skills, demonstrating them and helping my guests refine things like the tuck cast, finding contact, and guiding the flies through one seam. And the more we've focused on this set of nine skills, the more relaxed I've seen anglers become. Why? Because tightline tactics are infinitely refinable. There is no end to how much better you can make the next drift. And if you do get it perfect, or close to it, then the next seam challenges you all over again. So contact and true control over the flies is a responsibility, and I've seen it overwhelm people at times. So putting a number on the most basic skills and putting them in order kind of makes things manageable. As I've introduced these concepts to my friends, I've found that even the most experienced nymphing anglers were deficient in one or more of this set of nine. And most often, they knew it. When I started writing the articles for this series about a year ago, I was pretty sure I'd covered all the bases. 
now I know that I have. These are the baseline skills that every other variation is built upon. Furthermore, the order here is solid, and there's no sense jumping ahead without a good understanding and facility for what comes first. Ignoring any of these skills ends in an unraveling of the tactics. But treating them as building blocks creates a solid foundation. All right, so here's everyone's favorite radio voice, my friend, Austin Dando. He's here to help me for the ninth time break down these tightline skills. What's up, Austin? Is this really the ninth time? It is. Yeah, <laughs> nine. One through eight and now nine. Oh, my. Hey, I have a question for you. How often do you change tactics on the water? That's a common question. All right. And let's just stick with the tight line tactics. We know we can add an indie, go to a dry dropper, change to a thinner leader, or use a thicker tippet and fish streamers, all of that, right? But do you change very much on the water day to day? Oh, I change as much as the trout tell me to, I guess. Oh, there you go. <laughs> now, I, uh, I think I change quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe sometimes to a fault. If I, uh, I kind of have like this 15-minute rule thing where if I, uh, I change flies and I don't catch a fish or get a reaction within 15 minutes, I change to a different set of flies. Mm. Or I'll go to streamers quite often on the mono rig as well. Mm-hmm. Same deal, uh, same rule with the streamers. 15 minutes on the streamers. No looks, no takes, no eats. Off they go. Something different. You ever change out just because it is working? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you ever say, oh, okay, I caught him on this system, on this rig, with this set of flies, with this kind of presentation, and now let me see if I can screw it up? Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't fish enough to, to want to do that often. Yeah, um, I know what It has you to mean. be a certain day. If it's wide open all day long, yeah, I'm going to see what I can change. Yeah, right on. But if it's sporadic to begin with, I'm probably going to stay safe. Yeah, I, I'm out there to learn more than anything. So I am on the water quite a bit. And, and lots of times I'll have something going on and I'll say, hmm, I wonder how else I can catch them, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that, like it's bang, bang, bang all the time. And of course it's not, you know? But on those rare right. rare days uh, where I say, well, I kind of feel like I figured out the puzzle. Well, I guess the real question there is, did you figure out the puzzle? Do you know the complete picture? Probably not. So change some element, even though you think exactly. you got all those pieces together, take one of the pieces out, change it, and see if the action continues. That's a really fun mystery to me. Yeah. That is. And I think that's part of the reason why I change so much is in my Mm. mind, I believe there is something that the fish are keyed on um, in that moment when I'm not catching something and I'm responsible for finding out what it is. Right on. Yeah. I just published the article this evening about uh, the best questions to ask ourselves when we're fishing. And Mm. I suppose most people ask the question, what fly should I use? You know, but there's so many better questions to ask. And anyway, in that article, I talked about, or I kind of started with saying, Who is they? I mean, we talk about, well, they're eating. Let's figure out what they are eating. Well, the idea that groups of trout are down there doing the same thing is an important concept. And it's true. Mm. Of course, not all the fish are doing the same thing. And you might go around a bend and the next group of trout is doing something different. But often it does follow bug activity. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's uh, water temperature dependent and all of the factors. And that's that's the fun thing about trying to figure it all out. Right on. All right, buddy, let's do this one more time. Okay. Let's start by walking through steps one to nine. We've done this a couple times through the series, kind of leading up to where we were. But now here's the full system, right? Imagine yourself once again, fishing your favorite water with a pair of nymphs tied to a mono rig or a urine nymphing leader. 
You're careful and attentive uh, to wade into the best angles, so you approach the trout from downstream, and you're in position to have your rod tip over just one seam, the same seam you put the nymphs in. And that's your angle and approach from episode one. Then you start with a great tuck cast, or a turnover cast, with enough power to turn that leader over completely and with enough energy reserve uh, to direct a fly first entry. And that's episode two. It's not just about where the fly lands, of course, but how you place any extra tippet and cider in the air, thinking about your angles and your depth that you want to achieve. All of that is what we call sticking the landing from episode three. Now, as you get things set up, the river starts to push the rig downstream, creating slack. So we recover that slack, and we can do that in a few important ways. And that's episode four, recovering slack. And as we do that, we start to really focus on finding contact on the cider, because without contact, it's just a guessing game. So we see the cider tighten a bit, or with experience, we know exactly where the contact is, because we've learned to recover slack almost perfectly. And that's finding contact in episode five. Then, with the contact and awareness of what the cider is showing us, we can read the cider to signal that the nymphs are in the strike zone. And that's the downshift that we talked about so much in episode six. Then with the flies in the strike zone, we now do what we can to keep them really from falling anymore. We don't want them to stick to the riverbed. So we just want to glide them in the strike zone, glide them through the strike zone with a combination of leading and tracking. And that's kind of what we call guiding the flies from episode seven. And then, if we're lucky, everything sets up perfectly. The trout agrees to our terms and he eats the fly. Set the hook strike back and it's fish on from the last one, episode eight. All right. And now here we are with episode nine and we're going to talk about how to put it all together. And that seems like a lot, right? When you talk it through. And the crazy thing is that all of it happens in a relatively short drift, sometimes a really short drift. So let's talk about putting it all together. How do we do that? How do we move smoothly from one element to the next without getting stuck on just one thing? So let me start with this, Austin. I'll ask you the same question I did last time. Considering all that, okay, and what, really what we want to cover tonight, what's your best tip? Right off the bat here, what's your best tip for putting it all together? So my best tip, best piece of advice always is time on the water is king. Mm. But aside from that, one of the greatest gifts we have as people is an imagination. And mm. while we may not be able to spend every day on the water like we'd like to, we can still imagine these steps when we're you know, away from the river. Ooh, this is good. Yeah. And what I mean by that is look at steps one through three, look at steps one through five, whatever it may be. Close your eyes and imagine you're standing in the middle of a riffle and you make the cast and you think about step one, you think about step two, you think, think about step three. And you imagine all the, uh, the visual and the physical aspects that go into that Yeah. and work your way through them step by step and slowly. Um, when you're laying in bed at night, instead of counting sheep, maybe make some tuck casts instead. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is very good. <laughs> this is why I like having you here, because I didn't expect you to say that. You know, that's that's pretty yeah. cool. I like that. That's what our buddy uh, Steve Sawyer calls virtual fishing. And Virtual he's not, fishing. He's not joking, and I know you aren't. You aren't it sounds funny. I know you're not joking. Um, right. Seriously, a lot of times I do think about fishing as I'm just about to go to sleep. 
That's no joke. Mm-hmm. You know, I you yep. do the same thing. I think about some of oh, my yeah. favorite places and I'm kind of going through tactics or presentations in my head just because I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. People talk all the time about like, hey, you know, go cast on the lawn. You know, if you can't get to a river, go throw that fly line on the lawn. Get get your casting mm. form down. Well, what you're saying is take that next step. And maybe you don't even have to have the rod in your hand. Just do it in right. your mind. Because yeah. these concepts aren't, none of them are difficult. Maybe putting them together back to back is difficult. And l- yeah. Let's say that. Like, we shouldn't be intimidated by any of this, you know? Mm. Like the transitions from one to the other, I guess they can be kind of tough at first, but sure. we don't want to make too big of a deal out of it either. Oh, I'm now I'm doing step one. Now I'm doing step two. <laughs> right. We don't need to be robotic about it. It's all going to come yeah. together. And I, that's yeah. what I mean. Don't be intimidated by it. Yeah. And it's nice to be able to focus on one thing at a time. And that's another advantage of having the, the steps broken down is that we are able to do that. Yeah. Um, one tactic each day, maybe even. Yeah. Or each season, you know? <laughs> whatever it takes, yeah, right? Whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, really. I mean, it's all going to come. Everybody can throw the fly upstream and bring it back to them. Okay. Everybody can do that. But we are trying to break it down into these steps. And right. you could do steps one and two and three and kind of be done with sticking the landing and be just focusing on those. And the rest are going to happen. You're going to get the fly yeah. back to you. You're going to backcast and put it back up there again. Right. But yeah, we're human beings. We can only really focus on one thing at a time. I like that. And everyone will have their own. I mean, as you work through the skills, it's going to tell you which one is the hardest for you. You know, what? Yeah. what's most difficult for you is not going to be the most difficult for your buddy upstream. Good so point. you're all going to have your own unique things to work through. For sure. You know, it starts with a full understanding of all of this stuff. And you can go back and listen, re-listen to some of the podcasts. You can read the companion articles for all of this. But like you said, time on the water is everything. Yeah. And so you're going to understand what you're deficient in. But we don't need perfection. Mm. Just a solid understanding of mm. what we're trying to achieve. And this is not a beginning series. You know, like we tried to make that clear from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You can be a beginner, listen to this, and fantastic. You're going to pick up a lot. Yeah, but really. It's we have been trying to take this to a more advanced level. That doesn't mean we catch more fish, <laughs> but <laughs> Good point. usually it does. Yeah, sometimes it does. You know, but yeah, we're trying to break things down into trying to explore all, all the nuances. So we just want to kind of recognize the difference between all of these steps, see them as they're happening, and then you know move into the next step. Just yeah. bridge into the next step. Right. It's not that hard. Right. But it does happen fast. Yeah, and that's probably the toughest thing, right? Like that's why so many anglers, they never maybe separate the skills is because they make the cast and it's it's past me. I'll pick it up and throw it again. Here it is. You know, before they get the chance to break it down or think about what's going on in front of them, they're, they're into the next drift again. Yeah. Yeah. Those drifts are so close together. And all the steps are really close together. Uh, Most of those middle steps can kind of blend together with just a few seconds, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe less. Right. You know, and they should blend right together because ideally we want the flies down in the strike zone and drifting as soon as possible. And yeah. So again, like those middle steps, three, four, five, and six are sticking the landing and then recovering slack and then finding contact and finding your strike zone. That all happens right after the tuck cast. It starts happening right after the tuck cast. Mm -hmm. Boy, those middle steps, three through six, really, they happen fast. We said in the guiding podcast, 
you know, you're leading and tracking. And really that's the fishing part. And that's the people think about the most like, oh, yes. how am I leading these flies? And, you know, lots of contact, less contact. That's the part that happens for the longest period of time. The other part that sort of happens for the longest period of time is the cast or we mm. like to focus on a tuck yeah. cast. Yeah. You know, and all this other kind of stuff is squished into the middle. <laughs> and we recognize it might not be the easiest thing because it's a, everything's kind of going one step into the next, into the next, but we can do it. And that's where a lot of the magic happens. These things go fast, but it's really, and it might be where the biggest challenge lies, but it's really where so much of uh, a good drift is really set up. Right. If you don't get those middle steps right, then you're going to be struggling all the time that you should be just guiding the flies, leading yeah. them or tracking yeah. them downstream. You're going to miss strikes if you don't get things set up right. Right. And there is, that is the magic. And that's also the mystery. And the fact that we can break it out or flush it out and talk about those, those pieces of it is, uh, it's really fun for me. And I think it's fun for folks listening. So it's been really, really enjoyable. Yeah, it's neat. I, I was talking to you before we started the podcast about how I have often done this podcast with you. And the very next day I go on the water in the morning usually. And I say, I'm going to work on that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really focus on sticking the landing today. Yeah. And it's never ending, you know, what we can learn from it. Tactical Fly Fisher was started in 2015 by Fly Fishing Team USA angler Devin Olson with a mission to bring American anglers the techniques and gear that dominate the international competitive fly fishing scene. While you may have no desire to compete, you can still benefit from the same strategies which competitive anglers use to make them more successful on the water. Whether you want to buy a urinimping rod, a stillwater fly line, or just some hooks and beads to fill your fly box, we've got you covered. And our teaching materials will help you learn how to use whatever products fill up your cart. Head on over to the tacticalflyfisher.com and use the code TFF10 to get 10% off flies, fly tying supplies, or terminal tackle. Your fly and the presentation given is only as good as your tippet. There's no denying that the right flies are a key part of the nymphing equation, and so is the right tippet. Fooling Mill Masterclass Fluorocarbon has the lowest refractive index on the market. It's also dense, durable, and super strong. Pair that with the Fooling Mill Tippet Rings and their new Masterclass Monofilament Cider, and you'll be in top shape. Fooling Mill Tippet is available from 7X to 04X. Stock up at FoolingMill.com or ask for it at your local dealer. Hey, here are a couple tips that I really think are important. Um, here's the first one. See the entrance and exit of your fly. We want to see the splash. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. See the splash of that entry, whether it's one fly or two. Once you become pretty experienced with this stuff, you'll see the splash entry of both flies yeah. if you're using both. Right on. You want to see if they're in one seam <laughs> That's or right. you accidentally cast them into two seams, right? That's right. I mean, these are subtle things, but yep. they matter. Yep. You know, <laughs> and it is easier to see just one fly. It is easier to control just one fly. So maybe you start with that. But you want to see the way they go in. And it's important to see the way they come out too. Do they come out where you expect? Right. Yeah. You know, we've talked about too, um, you know, fishing with intention and, and tracking our flies and leading them, but also within one current seam. So if where we yeah. put them in and we know where we put them in and they come out three feet, four feet over from where they started, then we know we need to adjust something. Um, so yeah, where they come in, but just as importantly where they come out. Right. And it, I think it's important to be honest about that, I guess, yeah. with ourselves. Yeah. 
or just be critical, I guess, and to fairly judge the effectiveness of each drift and try to do better on the next one. Yeah. It's a really bad feeling when you go throughout your day or a couple hours feeling somewhat complacent, knowing mm-hmm. that what you're doing probably isn't the best thing you could, but there's, you know, but you're, you're doing it anyway. I know what you mean. You know, fair, judge yourself fairly and say, you know what, this is kind of wasting my time. I'm just going to have to change to this. You know what I'm talking about? Like oh, you can I feel do. It. Yeah. You can feel it's not right. Mm-hmm. So that's so true. Lots of times I'm going, I'm just not fishing well. Yeah. I'll get to the next water type. That'll take care of the problem. Right, you right, know? right. You, so, you start to make excuses for yourself. Yeah. It's easy to blame the fish. <laughs> not my fault. Fish just must not be on. Oh, yep. my presentation. It's, it's good enough. I'll wait for him to turn on. It's like I have a lot of people tell me, oh, it's just a little bit of drag. I'm like, no, <laughs> the drag. It's drag. Drag is yep. bad. <laughs> yep. There is no such thing as a little bit of drag. It's drag. It's wrong, <laughs> you know? And so we have to be critical, you know? Which element you said this, like, what's wrong with my drift? How can I make it better? So yeah. so determine which element is imperfect and try to make it perfect. You right. know? You're not going to struggle with everything. There's probably only one or two of these nine skills that you're struggling with, if any. Yeah, and that's the fun of it, right? That's the, we get the chance to go out there and think and, uh, you know, think critically too. So make it a, make it a fun thing instead of a chore. Yeah, right on. Uh, we enjoy trying to be critical and right. trying to make the, the drifts better. Obviously, we love being out there, but we love catching fish. And we love solving that puzzle, that mystery every day. And after we start to kind of get this stuff, you know, under our belt a little bit, you know, learn to see the success in it too. You know, give yourself mm-hmm. credit when what you've been working on hard starts to come all together for you. You know, we focused a lot, uh, you know, on what's wrong with a cast or a drift or <laughs> yeah. you know, how to make anything better. But we also need to see the the bright side of it too when something goes right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I spend a lot of days with my guided guests trying to show them mono rig tactics, tight line tactics. We go through this stuff. Again, I, I, I like to show them what we're calling the nine essential skills. And in the morning, it can be pretty confusing depending yeah. on their skill level. Boy, by the afternoon, you know, after lunch sometime, people often start to really put it together. Yeah, yeah. And yet I still find them going, ah, that's probably not good. Ah, that's not, that's not what we're looking for, huh? Well, I guess <laughs> I just can't get it. And by then I'm often saying, that's a good drift. Hey, nice drift. There you go. And well, yeah. if the fish will help out and they'll eat, you know, that's, that, that makes it really easy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but lots of times I, I just need people to trust me when I'm saying like, that's a really good drift. And I guess, honestly, when I'm out there fishing for just myself, I need to trust myself. And I'll mm. look at a drift and I'll go, that's exactly what I was trying to do. Yeah. I just got a really good drift in the way that I wanted to get it at the level, at the speed, all that stuff that we've talked about. That was it. That's what yep. I was trying to do. And at that point, maybe I'll repeat it one more time in that lane and then I'll move on. Like you just have to pat yourself on the back sometimes and go, damn. Good drift. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right? Like Sometimes it. you can't do any better. That's right. You know, that's it. Okay, move on. Right, and if the fish eats or not, you're going to learn eventually to just recognize that drift and go, I did what I wanted to do there. And yeah. you have to, we take satisfaction in that. That's what I'm out there doing is trying to get good drifts. If the fish eat, cool, you know? And of course, that's more fun. But lots of times they don't eat on a really great drift. And then I can learn something from that too. I can say, well, how can I change it? What water type and all that stuff. Yeah. Maybe the fly. Maybe yeah. the 
maybe I will touch bottom more. Maybe I'll ride a little higher. All this stuff we can change. When I get a good drift and the trout just don't respond, well, in one lane after another, then yeah, I'm learning something from that too. Hey, anything else, Austin? Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this as we wrapped up episode eight last week with the strike. There's a whole series of events that happens right after that that uh, maybe we should talk about. You know, what do you do when you get a strike? What happens next? Oh, to land the fish. Yeah, land the fish, guy. <laughs> you tell me. There's a hundred <laughs> variables, so you go ahead and fill them in. Tell me what you do. Oh, okay. Uh, what the heck do I do? <laughs> Not that easy. No. I think one of the things I think about most is, if I can, I try to keep things as consistent as possible. Consistent how? Uh, what I mean by that is... You know, let's say you're standing in the stream, uh, you set the hook downstream on a fish, it's upstream of you, you know, my rod tip stays at a certain angle. If I can, you know, I love to fight fish in the same direction that I hook them. So mm. every time I can limit the amount of um, like different positions I have to put my rod in, that's something I try to do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, consistent pressure, consistent positioning. Um, I try to change... I keep my variables I change on the fish to a minimum unless it's needed, I guess. Does that make sense to you? It does. Yeah, I, being consistent. So, for example, I always reel in. I know people, that's just a small fish I'm just going to strip. Mm. Well, I just have a habit of always reeling in whatever slack I had. I'm going to say 95% of the time. That's what I do. Because bad things happen when you have slack and, you know, you're trying to even just release a fish and things get tangled up. So, I yeah. always reel in. You mentioned about trying not to change angles very much. Every time you change the angle, you're kind of tilting that hook this way and that way, left and right or up and down. And that's when the hook usually slides out. If the trout's going to come unbuttoned, it's in one of those angle changes or when it jumps, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned, you know, reeling in any slack that was, you know, out when you hook the fish. I struggle with that sometimes. There's been so many times where I hook a good fish and I think, all right, I'm going to get him on the reel right away. I'm going to get rid of this slack. And then I get distracted and I let up pressure and I do something dumb and the fish gets off. <laughs> or, no dumb you things. You know, <laughs> I don't want any dumb things. So I agree that that in theory, I would always want to have a fish on the reel necessarily, mm-hmm. not have line um, that I need to control with my own you know, line hand. That can be tricky sometimes too. Hey, you know, so really what we're talking about is how to fight fish. Yeah. And we are going to do how to fight fish in one of the episodes in season three. Absolutely. With you and Josh and Bill and Trevor, I'm sure we'll do how to fight fish. That'll be a good one. All right. So there it is. That's the final skill in this trout bitten series covering the nine essential skills of tight line and Euronymphing. By breaking things down into these nine skills, new anglers can quickly and efficiently learn the tight line game. Likewise, Experienced anglers can go back to each of these skills and improve them. Nymph fishing is like reading a great book where you learn and discover more each time you revisit it. And as every athlete knows, advanced techniques always have their roots in the most basic skills. Refine one through nine. Then time and again, you'll see what you want to see. You'll put it together and you'll say with confidence, that was a great drift. And you'll pat yourself on the back. That's right. Hey, now. Hey, now. Uh, I do have a surprise for you. We're going to do one more episode on this topic, sort of a bonus round by bringing back Trevor, Bill, and Josh to join us for a conversation about all this stuff. 
it'll be good to get their perspective and just bounce things around one more time before concluding season two of the Trout Pitten Podcast. So look for the bonus round in your Trout Pitten Podcast feed. After that, season three of the podcast begins with longer form conversations again, covering all things fly fishing for trout. And we're looking forward to it. Austin, episode nine, will you read us out? All right, buddy. Remember, troutbitten.com is a free resource for all anglers. With over 800 articles, there are stories, commentaries, tactics, tips, and more. Find what you like through the top menu and through the search page. Navigate by way of the categories and the tags, too. Thank you for listening to the Trout Bitten Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. It really does help. Until season three, friends, fish hard, enjoy the day, and find your life on the water.